welcome back to Ink Pulp Audio. Uh, today, I've got the first part of a two-parter with Wilfredo Torres. And uh, I do want to take a quick second to... Well, not a quick second. I want to take my time and thank Wilfredo for coming out here and doing this and for being as open and honest as he was. Uh, I think it's at the end of the second part. He reveals something pretty deep and pretty personal, although most of it is is pretty personal. But just thanks for thanks for coming down, thanks for doing this, and thanks for your your honesty. Thanks for being open. Um, the intro to both of these parts is going to be kind of short. I'm just crunching away on uh, the last issue of Arkham Manor, and time is of the essence. So, I'll come back. I've got stuff to say. I've got stuff to talk about. It'll come back. Also, I think I'm done with the outros. Not the music, just my little speech. It seems pointless to me now, looking at it, and it seems to not add to the show. So, you'll hear me on the front, you'll hear the interview, and then the uh, music going out. Um... Please spread the word about the podcast. It's doing well, and I know I always say this, but leave feedback on iTunes if you listen through iTunes. That's helpful. And uh, just spread the word. And those of you that are avid listeners, thank you. And those some people, I think, um, iTunes seems to have canceled some subscriptions to podcasts when there was an update I'm finding out few people and they think this has gone away so I uh, just help uh, what I'm asking is for you to help spread the word to those people who are fans are aware that it's not going away uh, of course I'm doing that on my end blah 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 thank you for listening everybody let's let's do this OCD, like nightmare or dream, because I've got all these controls. I only use like this much, but I'm always worried one button off is going to throw everything out the window. But so far, so good. So, I mean, we were just talking um, about getting into comics and stuff. Yeah, looking at your work, from what I've seen, I. Um, there must have been a point where you became, at, like, either, I think there's a fan in you and there's an artist in you. Mm-hmm. And the comics you draw don't make me think you would be reading the stuff you said you're reading, like George Perez or something. So was there a point where you were trying to draw, like, old superhero artists? Um, no, I was, I was always... Uh a regular superhero guy. You know, the the comics I enjoyed were were George Perez, John Byrne, so it was very much capes and tights. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, just by necessity, the jobs that I was getting offered were not capes and tights because, you know, it was, everything was more heavy black, spotted black. So then I started getting, everything was either like a time period, a period piece or something more noir, even though 
that wasn't necessarily what I'd been into. But is that what you were drawing? Like, if, were you doing sample pages? I was doing sample and pages. And were your sample pages more noir feeling? No, not at all. They were capes and tights? They were capes and tights. Was there a lot they of black on like those pages? Conan shit and, you know, there There's, was a lot of black. Actually, no, because at first um, I didn't set out to ink myself. I wanted to be a penciler. But then, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, whatever, I'll get work and the publisher will give me an anchor. Bullshit. You know, it's like you get offered work. Can you ink yourself? You know, so then wow. just by necessity, I had to learn how to ink myself uh-huh. to where now I've almost gotten to the point. Uh, well, I've gotten to the point where I can't even imagine handing over my pencils to sure. anybody to ink. Right, right. You know, so it's just, that's just the way it worked out. So, all right, th- this is hard for me to understand. <laughs> so you're telling me that just being allowed, just like I say, I think on this podcast sometimes, just being like water, that it you ended up in, in a pool where you were doing more noir I toth inspired type comics. Mm-hmm. That wasn't something that you weren't like toth obsessed or or noir obsessed or Not at all. And your work was affected by that. And an editor said, "Oh, that's the type of work he should." I be got doing. into toth so late in life that I actually was working professionally already before I even really got exposed to it. I'm sure I saw it. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, everybody saw it. We watched the Super Friends cartoon. How do you end so up? So it was there, <laughs> you know. But then I started working and showing my work to people, yeah. and they were like, oh, you know, it's kind of like Toth. And okay, I'm like, so it was in the work. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but I think at that point, though, Toth had been – my Toth probably came out from my John Byrne influence. Okay. Where things were cleaner and kind of, you know, open line uh-huh. and stuff like that. Wow, that's blowing my I mean, my it blows my mind because my whole life has been very like focused on on where how I want my my work to look and and what artists can help me figure that out and like I th- there was no I'm never going to be on the Avengers it's not in me, and I never would be offered an Avengers job. So if in another universe, if I'm drawing the way I draw, and then I'm talking to you, and I'm like, oh, I just ended up on the Avengers, and I draw like Carlos Pacheco, I, yeah. I can't imagine how that would happen. That's it's, And I mean, that's kind of been the pattern for me, is I just kind of go with it, you know? Yeah, I would steer uh, into probably, the skid type of deal. Healthier, you know, healthier. I never had a set plan. Like, if if you would have asked, you know, 15-year-old me, you know, who do you want to draw? Like, I was literally aping George Perez' Teen Titans pages. I even aped his signature. Okay. But then I very quickly realized I can't draw like George. You know, that's not – it doesn't – I don't have that facility for it. Uh Uh-huh. And like Sienkiewicz, like you were saying earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that too. All right, so let's – Let's back up a little bit. You said comics were were pure escapism for you. Yeah. What what was going on? What what were you escaping from? Um, I was the the, you know, I was the kid that got picked on a lot. I didn't go out and play after school and and stuff like that. My mom worked a lot. Okay. So even before that, you know, I'm talking like maybe five, six, seven. She'd work at night 
and she'd come home and she always had like a comic book uh-huh. or a coloring book for me. And it was always Superman or Batman. And that's, you know, it just kind of went from there to when, you know, I was able, as I got older, I just started to seek it out for myself. Mm-hmm. But it was, I was more comfortable by myself. And so I was, when I was by myself, I was either drawing or I was reading comic books. You have siblings, right? I have, yeah. I have an older brother, but we didn't grow up together. Okay. And I have a younger sister. You have a younger sister. Mm-hmm. So what you say your mom was working a lot. Let's, let's back up a little, a little bit more. Um, you, you were born in Manhattan, lived in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Till your parents were separated? Till my parents split up and then we moved to New Jersey. You're, you and your mom and your sister. Mm-hmm. And she was working. And how old were you? Eight. And she was working a lot then? Yeah. So were you on your own a lot as an eight-year-old? Yeah, I was a latchkey kid. At I, eight? Yeah. What was that like? Um, I mean, that's like I just think about my son. Like, I couldn't imagine. Oh, no, yeah. Now, forget it. But, yeah, I, you know, my mom was there when I left for school in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'd get on the bus and went to school. And then when I got home, um, my bus got, because I was... We didn't. We're we're five years apart, my sister and I. Oh, she's a lot. So we younger. never went to the same school. Uh huh. So her bus was always after mine. So I'd get home, and I knew what time her bus came. So, you know, I'd go out to the bus stop, wait for her to get home, and then walk her back, and you know. So at like age nine, you're taking care of your four-year-old sister. And so what time would your mom get home? 7.30. So for a good four four hours or so, you'd be taking care? Yeah. Sometimes she had, my mom had friends and, um, you know, they'd come over, they'd stop by and maybe either bring us dinner or, you know, put some ravioli, some chef ID on the table, you. you know, and we'd eat something and then, you know, that was it. So you weren't like having to cook. Sometimes, but but there was a community that was helping out in some way. Um, well, she had one or two friends. Okay, I mean that's one of the things that I feel like we're that's eroding culturally with us is the community and the help. But what I'm tr- I'm trying to wrap my head around this right now, the immense sense of responsibility you must have felt at an eight year old was it crushing? Um, I mean, did you even notice it, or was this just what you? No, had to do? it was normal to me. That's just. The way it was. So I didn't know, you know, when you're that age and you don't know anything else, it's normal. Right. Kids are very adaptable. Exactly. You you know, this is, you know, probably I never internalized or really thought about it. But to my mind at that age, I probably thought this is what everybody does, you know. Okay. Were your friends in that situation or? Um, no, not that I had, not any of that I can think of. But then again, I wasn't the kid that had a lot of friends. I had kids that I was friendly with uh-huh. at school. Was that because? Let me ask you this: Was that because of the responsibility you have you had with taking care of your sister that you weren't like able to have friendships and go outside and play and do all those things after school because you're taking care of your sister? Um, maybe in part, but not really. Like I said, I was I was a weird kid. I was very quiet and kind of reserved. So automatically, that's the kid that kind of gets singled out. Okay. So I got bullied a lot. And, 
Yeah. Well, well, so I, well, I, 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 when kids were outside running around and roughhousing, whatever, want. I wanted no parts of okay. that. Okay. Were um, when you say bullied, like verbally? Or? Oh no, I was getting my ass beat you almost were. on a daily basis. Yeah. And what? And for what reasons? Because I was different. How? Okay, you were quiet. But how I was did, quiet. I had, you know, <laughs> I had this. Not now, but. I used to have this really thick, curly black hair, and my mom would never get it cut. So I literally just had this <laughs> huge fro, you know, and I had, uh, I wore glasses, and again, my mom couldn't really afford to get me nice ones. So I had like, remember Cazelle's? Yeah, absolutely. My glasses were like that big, but this is- except before they were cool. So I was walking <laughs> around with like old lady glasses, you know, and, um, when I was, you know, um, in town at that time, it changed over time. But at that time, there wasn't a lot of Hispanic kids. Okay. So it was literally, it was either white or black. Oh. So, you know. So you found your. So this is something I, I've never really talked to someone about. Did you find be, being Latin and you're kind of, you're not as dark as the black skin kids. You're not as light as the white skin kids. You, you kind of didn't fit in anywhere. Not really. And then it was even weirder because my mom is dark skinned. Uh huh. So I wouldn't say she could pass for black, but you know, you can, you see her and you definitely know. It's Where's like, your mom right. from? She's from Puerto Rico. And, and your dad? It's from Puerto, Puerto Rico. So you're pure Puerto Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So you look different than everyone else, not just because of your heritage, but the clothes you're wearing and yeah. your hairstyle. Um, were you in an area where a lot of the kids came from, had families who had more money and no, that was no, singling no, no. you out as well? I was, you know, my mom was a single mother. And um, so just by the economics of it, nine times out of 10, we were living in, you know, predominantly black neighborhoods. And um, we moved a lot as well because we always rent an apartment and then after a year or two, whatever, they raised the rent so she'd have to move okay. someplace else. So nine times out of ten, I lived in a you know predominantly black neighborhoods. Okay, um, and you you just got your ass kicked a lot, pretty much. And co- were comics your way for you to just get away from all that? Yeah, it was. Um, and I still kind of feel that way. Like you want to live in a world where the fantastic is possible. You right. Know. Well, it's funny because I think a lot of superhero comics are created out of that. Yeah. That sort of upbringing, like uh, Kirby coming from the Jewish slums and creating stuff to get him mentally out of situations he couldn't get out of physically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. So, you, you, you'll escape. What was, I'm just trying to get into the, your head when you were that age. So you're taking care of your sister and you're dealing with a lot of bullies. What were, were you quite like, do, do you remember feeling like life is fucking hard or, or just like this sucks or were you just like, this is just what it is. I mean, you seem like a very adaptable person. I, so I'm trying to figure out if, if this was something that you woke up with a pit in your stomach every day having to deal oh, with. Yeah. I, I I woke up in a pit with a pit in my stomach when I knew I had to go to school. Okay. Because going to school was a fucking nightmare. 
Because you got picked on. Yeah. You know, I got beat up at the bus stop and then at school, you know, everything's, uh, I'm weirded out by everything. And, you know, the, the white kids make fun of you at school because you got shitty clothes on. You know, the black kids beat up, have beat you up because you're the one kid at the bus stop that isn't black. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like <laughs> everywhere I went, I was fucked. So it was break. just, I just wanted to get home. Like, I want to get home. I want to sit down, watch TV, read my comic book. So was was having to take care of your sister almost like a like a thank thank for this? Yeah, I didn't mind it at all. Because it, because it, yeah, I mean, I could see that if you're dealing with all this shit outside of the house, in the house, yeah. your sister probably looked up to you and. Yep. That's interesting. So were you drawing at this time as well? Yeah. So you were all about escaping into your art and into comics and reading. Yeah. Did did there come a point in middle school or high school where you kind of found a place, like a crew you fit in with or? Um, maybe around junior high, once like hip hop had kind of, really come into prominence mm-hmm. the fact that i could draw made some people think i was cool because i could do graffiti i could right. draw you know tag little b-boys and stuff like okay. that so that uh, kind of got me some some leeway but it didn't happen earlier than that but it didn't happen earlier than that. because i mean that that's a common thread i mean like i said earlier for me drawing was certainly a way to get you know uh, attention of of well when i was a kid girls mainly but yeah, that and also yeah, the, that's the one thing that I could I could do that others look at. Oh, that's cool, and kind of be accepted in. Yeah. But it took you till what'd you say, middle school, to hit that? Yeah, like junior high. Okay, um, and so you fell in with like a b boy crowd. Yeah. So you went- by that by that time when I uh, when I got to junior high. Then by that time, there was more Hispanic kids that had moved into the area. Um, And, you know, also as you go up in grades, you know, uh, the elementary schools start to all funnel into the thing. So then there was other kids around. So once other Latin kids started coming in, you kind of found culturally similar people that you fit in with more? Yeah, because it was still, you know, there weren't very many Hispanic kids. So the ones that were there, we kind of just all kind of stuck together. Okay. Now, B-Boy, when that hits and you're getting into it, that's very hip. That's Mm -hmm. like the cool thing to do. Yeah. But before that... But remember, though, this is Morristown. This is the suburbs. So it took a little while for it to filter in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in the suburbs. I mean, I was not a a city kid when, when I was... I mean, I was in the, you know, melting pot suburbs outside of Washington, D.C. in a planned community where it was, I mean, I remember my crew of friends was me, the Jewish kid. I had my friend Ramon, who was Mexican, my friend Charles, who was Korean, my, you know, my my other friend Brian, who was uh, Polish, and then like a one kid, Al. And like that was our Nobody crew. Nobody knew what he was. <laughs> he was just, and it was rude to ask. Well, we, we were the minority. <laughs> no, he was just the the white kid. I don't know. I don't know how to you know blonde hair, big blue eyes, you know, Aryan to the bone. <laughs> um, but that was a planned community. And you know, looking back on it, I'm like, that's crazy that they planned to See, have. But that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's... I'm not complaining about it at all. I'm I'm very thankful for my child. I mean, as a kid. I was experiencing all these different cultures in terms of not just 
um, through the my friends, but like my friend Charles, who's Korean, his grandmother lived with him, didn't speak English at all. Mm-hmm. And he was one of my closer friends. So I'd spend a lot of time at the house and his grandmother would cook us traditional Korean food. And then my friend Ramon, I'd experience Mexican food and I was learning and their families. I learned cultural stuff and holiday stuff. And yeah, it was, it was great. Um, but so I'm getting when break, when B-Boy hit, that's who I was with. Mm. And that was my whole Nate, you know, the whole city we lived in, in Columbia, Maryland at that point was just a cultural melting pot of that. So yeah, I get it. So I'm so we just got off track, but yeah, so it hits the suburbs, but it's still hip. I mean, now it's, when you get into it, it's still like kind of, it's hip. Yeah. It's the, it's the, so were you kind of pretty much not hip until that point? Um, I don't think I was ever hip, but, but, um, but in the people, but it was, it was, you know, the fact that I could break dance, the fact that I could do graffiti, um, definitely gave me some cachet, if that's right, what you want right. to call it, you know. And I still had family that lived in the Bronx. So I'd visit them and I'd, you know, as I'm driving in, I'm looking out the windows, I'm looking at all the graffiti and everything, and I'm just taking mental notes, you know. That's exactly when we would drive home to Queens. That's all I did was once we hit New York, it was just graffiti. That's all I wanted to look at. So I always had all the mixtapes before everybody else and stuff like that. So you were cool. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that's so you had a pretty rough up until that point. After that point, was everything better? Um, Did you have your like cooler friends and, and you felt socially yeah, yeah, yeah. better? As as I got older, I started to to make friends and, and it was actually through friends. I had <laughs> my best friend was this kid named Jason. And Jason had a twin. And his two older brothers were also twins. So it was two sets of twins. My and God. um and this they're they're the ones that got me on to <laughs> yeah I guess they're the ones that actually got me on to George Perez and Teen Titans. So they were into comics. Yeah. So this comics were not your dark secret at this point. Not at that point. No. But before that. Before you, that. We were talking earlier. You, you you kept it very quiet. Yeah yeah yeah. So you I mean, never brought them. To no, school. I didn't want to give anybody any ammunition. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, that's you know, this stupid kid who reads comic books too. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> now it's different though. Now it's like, oh, the now cool it's kids. cool. Now it's, it's crazy. cool. Like I see my daughter. Like I got her a like a Batman sweatshirt with the little ears on the hood, and like she wears it to school, and it's like the hippest thing. Yeah, yeah. And, not, but, not when I was a kid, if you showed up, you know, to school with like a Batman T-shirt, oh, you'd yeah. be like completely ostracized. You yeah, know? totally, totally. <laughs> So where do you so looking back on on the those before the b-boy years the the bully years what are your thoughts on on bullying and and how it's being handled culturally right now um like there seems to be a very it's it's weird because now it's almost taken on with with social media it's taking on more of a sinister edge to it when you're when you're a little kid and you're in class, you know, even if you're not the kid that's being picked on, if you see a kid getting picked on, there's some empathy there. Mm-hmm. You feel bad for him. At some point, you know, and I and I always I always was waiting for that because eventually there was always a kid that up. felt bad for me, stood up and and stopped it. Okay. You know. Okay, this is exactly what I want to get into. Because the like I was 
I, I had moments of being picked on as a kid because, like I said when we were talking earlier, I was the runt of the crew. I was mm. by far the smallest. I weighed a nickel. I mean, I was nothing. I was tiny and scrawny and nothing. So I was the easiest one to get picked on. Um, I think – see, but I draw a, a distinction between getting picked on Yeah, I'm not saying I got my bullied. ass beat. Right. Okay. Okay. Because right. picked on, everybody gets picked on. Right. Okay. To a certain extent. You're right. You know. You're right. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I don't I don't remember um, – I, I have a vague memory of a of a bully in school who maybe threw it my way once or twice. I don't remember enough to say to say specific. So no, I was not bullied. But I do feel like and what you're talking about is as kids, we start to learn social behaviors. Like a kid learned to step up for you and do you know and, and help you out and and I'm trying to I, I'm not I don't have a, an opinion yet. I'm trying to decide. It's have we gone too far? And you even said there was a sinister approach to well, the modern Well, that's the thing. Say if a kid's getting picked on, on uh, you know, he posts something on Instagram, and then, you know, kids start posting jackass remarks and stuff, and it kind of gets rolling and stuff, and that kid gets targeted. What happens with social media is you're not seeing the kid all pissed right, off. You're not seeing him yeah. all depressed and crying and upset. Right. So nobody develops the empathy. They just either laugh at what's there or they right. pile in. Yeah. It's not just kids. It's adults. It's, I mean, yeah, it's everybody. You know, because you're not seeing, you're not having to see the, the, what the person's going through. Watching a kid getting picked on, watching somebody get bullied or whatever, it sure. makes you feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. But and you don't get that on social media. Right, but why not? Like, I know I never, I, I really, I don't think I do. I'm, I'm very aware of trying not to just, like, attack and post negative shit for no reason because of I do have empathy. And so where, where has where's that gone? I have no idea. But then how, how now you're also away? talking about a generation, though, that they barely remember a time before, you know, MySpace. Or Facebook, yeah. you know, they've kind of, if you're in your 20s, you've kind of grown up with social media. Right. Whereas, you know, I can remember rotary phones and, you know, calling a girl's house and having to speak to her dad. You know, no right. kid has to do that anymore. That's true. You know, no kid has to know what it feels like, you know, oh, you're going to call a girl and ask her out and her mom answered the phone and, you're right. like, eh, it's, you know, nobody has to deal with that anymore. That's true. You know, and that's character building because I agree. you kind of almost have to learn how to behave, you know, in front of people's parents uh, and whatnot. Yeah. And are, I don't think, I think a lot of that's just, gone away. Are we just two old fucks who are like the kids today <laughs> or is this real? Like, no, this is real. This is real because, I mean, I, my wife and I had kids early. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, it wasn't teen pregnancy, but we were still relatively young to where, you know, my daughter and I listened to some of the same music. So now, yeah, okay, I hope that happens. Yeah, so it's you know, I try to be aware of what's going on with them, what they're being exposed to, sure. things like that. So, yeah, I don't, I think some of it's you know, cranky old man syndrome, but yeah, but no, it's very, it's, it's frightening. I mean, just dealing with the internet and my children terrifies it's, me on a it's daily scary. basis, it's scary. Um, just the accessibility of porn and how that's fucking up an entire generation. Well, it's not even the porn. It's that they, their own, their kids, their own lack of judgment as yeah. far as what they post online. You know, because once it's out there, it's out there. 
Yeah, you can delete a tweet, but guess what? Somebody probably took a, yeah, a screen, screen pick of, of it. it. Yeah. You know. Uh, did you see um I forget the, I think the name of the movie is Connected? No. It came out like last year. Um and it was kind of like a bunch it was it was a story of of a few families in this area. And they all have their own story, and the stories kind of weave in and oh, out. Oh, I know each what other. you're talking about. Jason I didn't see Bateman it, but I know what it. you're talking about. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the kids, um, these other kids are fucking with this one kid, and they they build a fake Facebook persona, and it's a girl they're building, and they kind of flirt with him and make him really fall for her. And then she says, I want to see you naked. And the kid like debates about it for days and and he finally does it. And then they just destroy him. They put it everywhere. And the kid tries to kill himself. And even at the end of the movie, he's still in a coma. It's horrifying. It's just horrifying. Well, I mean, you, how often are we seeing now where kids are killing themselves because they've been, you know, bullied online, targeted online? Yeah, it's a, different, it's it's just, a different playing I, I, field. Honestly, I can honestly say... If social media had been around when I was in high school, I probably would have killed myself because I was I was depressed and suicidal as it was. If I would have had to deal. Yeah. If I would have had to deal with all the social media stuff as well. Yeah. No, I couldn't imagine what happened in high school. If if in middle school you had found your crew and where things were looking up, what made it turn in high school? Um, I was just always, you know, even though I did have friends. I still felt very much isolated. You know, I was, I was the, I've always kind of been the person that I can be in a room full of people and still feel like I'm by myself, uh-huh. you know, and even at family functions. And I know that's, that's myself. That's not anything anyone is doing to exclude me or anything like that. Sure. That's just but me. But it's your reality. Exactly. So, you know, when it got to high school, um, I just realized that I wasn't having the same experience that everyone else was having. Um, Like I said, I was very depressed. I was very insecure. Um, I was in love with being in love. So, you know, it was just everything sucked, you know. What do you mean you're in love with being in love? I just, I, I like a girl and then it was just, you know, I was like, Obsessed. Over the moon, obsessed. And would you talk you know, to her? <laughs> most of the time, no. <laughs> so you were Not really. Yeah, yeah. I've I've never been the guy that um, really approached women, uh-huh. and most of, uh, the big majority of the relationships that I've had, the the woman initiated it. You okay. Know? Because I've just like that fear of rejection was just way too much. You say you were suicidal. Were you just really depressed and like flirted with like what would it be like to not be alive anymore? Or were I, you seriously suicidal? No, no. I, I seriously thought about it. And the main reason I didn't do it was because I always had that that thought, that idea of my mom right? either finding me or, you know, and I just couldn't do it. You and your mom were pretty close, I guess. I love my mom. And your sister, too. Were you like a tight-knit unit? Yeah. Was your dad out of the picture, or was he pretty involved? Um, after they split up, he um, he was around for a little while, but 
he didn't stay around. And then eventually he remarried and had another kid. And then after, well, I have four siblings. <laughs> so <laughs> after my younger brother was born, he moved back to Puerto Rico. And once he moved back to Puerto Rico, it was just, you know, the relationship was essentially over because he didn't make enough of an effort right. to try and be there. You how know. old were you when he moved back? 12, 10, 12. And how did that hit you? How, oh, that how sucked. That... that sucked. So you had, you had a lot going on. Yeah. You had the the bullies, the responsibility of your sister, and your dad had checked out. Yeah. So that that probably leads to rough high school years. Yeah, because you don't have that guy around. And my mom was awesome. She tried to do as much as she could. Uh-huh. But again, she had to work a lot. Right. So was she working more than one job? Yeah, she I really I honestly can't really remember too much of a time when my mom wasn't working two jobs. Wow. Wow. I mean, as it as as my sister and I got older, then, you know, she was able to get better jobs. Like she was working as a nurse's aide. So then she got paid enough to where she could just have the one job, uh-huh. you know, but it took a while. How old were you when that happened? I was maybe freshman. Okay. What, um, so you made it through high school. <laughs> yes. Not, not pleasantly. Not pleasantly, but, but yes. Uh, then what happens? Um, not, let, let me ask you this. Not a hell of a lot. Do you feel the bullying you went through as a kid shaped you in any positive way? Or is it something you'd completely change if you could? Um, it's something I would completely change if I could. I think the bullying just enforced the insecurity that was already there. Uh-huh. Um, and as I got older, by the time I got to... Maybe by freshman year, the, the bullying had stopped. No Why? One, no one messed with me anymore. Why? Because I actually punched the kid. Okay, so you And then back. once I punched the kid and, you know, I saw the reaction, it changed well, they, they, the whole demeanor. They say that's all it takes, but it's, that's not an easy thing to do. I, well, that, that's the, the route I took with my son. And my son is... You know, the most laid back, easygoing kid. So you told him hit back immediately. Oh, yeah. He was, I mean, he was getting picked on by a kid uh, that lived next door. And the kid was maybe like a year or two older than him. And he's little. Uh I mean, I'm talking like four or five years old. Yeah. And the kid's pushing him over and kicking him and this and that. And the other thing, and my son's coming in and and telling me he's upset. You know, he wouldn't necessarily tell me what was going on. Yeah, you know, my boys do because, not talk. Well, because it's embarrassing. You're supposed yeah. to, you know, you have that that macho thing where it's like you're not supposed to admit that because right. you're not tough or whatever. But, you know, I caught on to it. I knew what was going on and, and I saw it. And um and I just pulled him aside and I was like, you know what? Next time that kid does something to you, you ball up your fist and you punch him straight in the nose. And he will never bother you again. <laughs> so I said that. And I mean, that's not, you know, exactly parenting 101. No, but, I think it is parenting but, you know, 101. I think well, that's it's, exactly it's frowned that. upon. Right. But I think, I think it's the correct you know, move. But I mean, we told my son, we said, not in those same words, we said, if anyone's ever doing stuff to you 
and you need to defend yourself. By all means, oh, yeah, yeah. defend yourself. That's a, and you will never same, be in trouble with same us. Same thing. You might get suspended from school. You might get suspended at school, but I got back. your back. Yeah, okay. But, um, yeah, so I told him, I was like, next time he messes with you, punch him straight in the nose. Uh-huh. And what did he, did he say? He anything? went outside to play, <laughs> and the next thing I hear is this kid crying. <laughs> He just because what my do- son did was he just went outside, walked straight up to the kid, <laughs> and punched him in the face. <laughs> he didn't wait for him to mess with him again. <laughs> he just went out and smacked again in the face. He just needed permission. Yeah, exactly. Oh he was God. like, my dad said it was okay. I'm and he just here went thinking and punched like, the kid in the face. child get the courage to do it the next time no. he gets picked? No, he didn't need the courage. <laughs> he didn't need to. He, he said, my permission. dad said it was okay. And he went and he did it. That's That's... My kid's 18 years old. He's never been bullied, or at least not bad enough to where I heard about it. That Yeah, but that's a testament to his character. Like, my son wouldn't do that. Like, if I said, to, if the same thing happened, I said do that. He would never walk out and just knock the kid on his ass. My daughter would, but not my son. That's just, that's personality. Both Both of my kids are, you know, they've always been extremely confident people. And I, and I think that comes from, you know, pat myself on the shoulder i think for, uh, for me and my wife you make your kid feel safe you make your your kid feel loved and that's the key to confidence you encourage them you support them sure and you that's how you get a confident person my son i wouldn't say he's not confident but like my daughter's extremely confident my son not so much. Now we've raised them the same. We don't treat one any differently than the other. So there's some element of personality, I'm guessing, unless we fucked up somehow. No, there is some element of personality. Um, but like my daughter, when she was a little little kid. And remember that little boys um, socialize differently than little girls. That's very true. You know. With little boys, whether people want to admit it or not, there's always that physical element. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's always that possibility that you're going to get pushed, you're going to get punched, yeah. you're going to get kicked. Whereas with little girls, it's not so much. So little girls can talk shit to each other. Oh, and it kind of never, exactly. Well, my daughter, I mean, she was three in one of the in one of those bouncy houses things. She was in there, there was like a ball, like a basketball one. And she has the ball, this kid comes up, and grabs the ball out of her hands. And I was like, oh, here we go. Now she doesn't cry. She doesn't do anything. She looks at him as he's now playing with the ball, walks up to him, shoves him to the ground, <laughs> and takes the ball back and just goes back to what she was doing. But that's personality. I love it. See, but that's my daughter too, though. Yeah, I'm not worried about her. She yeah, no, I, I'm not worried about my daughter because my daughter doesn't take shit from anybody. So... Tell me about punching this kid back that you, that you punched. Oh, um, it was stupid. It was so fucking stupid on my part because yeah, you know, but it was a big moment. I've got I've got the kids that you know, um, they're they're the hard kids. Mm-hmm. They're the the cool kids, you know. And I'm trying to endear myself to these guys, you know. So they the one of them how one of them dares me. He's like, go up to this kid and. And clap his ears you know, when you go up behind somebody and smack yeah. the shit out of their ears, you know. So, oh, so he wasn't bullying. No, no, oh, no. Okay. The poor kid was like just sitting there minding his business, <laughs> you know. So yeah, no, it was a completely douche move on my part. 
So because I want to be, yeah, I okay. want to be in with these kids. Oh, so wow. like a jackass, I go and I do what they to impress them. Yeah, to impress them. So then what happens? The kid stands up. And, you know, he's like a foot taller than me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, and the kid, now that I think about it, like I, when I think about it after the fact, he probably wasn't going to hit me. He was just pissed off. Sure. You know, but I didn't wait. I'd, I'd been at that point way too many times, and I just let my hand go. How were you able to do it this time? Was it just the 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 pot had just boiled over? I think it was it – was, Maybe it was the setting because we were in a classroom. Okay. You know, the so teacher was like out in the hall setting. or some shit. So, But also you had started it and you were yeah, trying exactly. to impress someone. Yeah. So I was trying to be tough at that moment, huh. you know. So I guess I, I just kind of it – was, it was panic. The, the, the sure. punch came out of panic yeah. because I was, you know, well, I was pretty sure I was about to get my ass kicked. Yeah, but I mean, if we're honest, most people in fights, both sides are panicking to some extent. Oh, yeah. So after that, the bullying kind of stopped? The bullying stopped at that point. But then... Now, do you think that was just because you had a different mindset and you're projecting a little more confidence? Yeah, I think so. I think That's I think at that point, I wasn't shrinking back as much. So you think that as a when you were younger... Part of the bullying was because you were a target. You were making yourself a target to some extent. I don't think I was you actively making. No, think not I, actively, but you're being perceived at, perceived as weaker in some way. Yeah, I was being perceived as. And you know, that was that because you were projecting that in some way. Maybe, or you know, like I said, I was I was the I always felt like the oddball. Mm-hmm. So I, you just never were confident. Yeah, right? I was okay. never confident. I never tried to you know stand with the other kids right. or you know interact with them too much. You know. So, so the bullying kind of stops now. Yeah, by like say freshman year in, in high school, the but, bullying stopped. But high stopped. school continues to be miserable. But then you. what happened was, um, I'm drinking a lot. I'm you know, hanging out with with kids that I probably shouldn't be hanging out with. In what way? Um, just because they weren't you know they weren't like me. You know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't like hang out. Troublemaker kids are just different. Just different. Okay. You know, I, I, I couldn't have a conversation with my friends just because. I, I mean, I don't want to disparage them at all. It's just we just weren't on the same mindset, you know. But I did it. Those were the kids I hung out with because the kids that I wanted to hang out with, you know, were the burnouts. Those were the, you know, they hung out in the back of the school and smoked cigarettes and wore, you know, Iron Maiden T-shirts and this and that. And I'm the Puerto Rican kid. I'm not supposed to be doing that. Um, so I was kind of conforming. Were they all white kids? Um, the majority, yeah. Okay. You know, but but they were the ones that were the artists. They were oh, the ones that oh. were into the the horror movie makeup. They right. were the ones that were into sci-fi More and, and, and comic books. Exactly. Those right. were the creative kids. I should have been with the creative kids. But I wasn't. I was with the, you know, cool kids that basically all they wanted to do was, you know, hang out and drink and chase girls. Now, were the creative kids being picked on? Was there some... No, because they had their group. Right. Okay. So it wasn't an instance of if I hang out with them, I'm going to go back to being picked on? 
No, no. It was it was very much me thinking, um, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to like this kind of music. I'm not supposed to like comic books. I'm not supposed to wear a certain kind of clothes. You know, I'd wear my clothes and it, it was like wearing a uniform. So and I'd listen to music and it was like doing homework. So you consider yourself a bit of a, a conformist in that you did what you thought you were supposed to do is what yeah. you wanted to do? Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. And that's, you know, that kind of drives you crazy after a while. Sure. So did that reach a boiling point where you were like, I'm tired of trying to be someone I'm not? Um, no. I I mean, it, it was always at a boiling point. Um. And I mean, it must have changed at some point. Well, what what happened as I got older is I got real violent. You know, then I, I fell into that whole... I don't think I was ever a bully myself, uh-huh. but I was definitely, you know, the person that would let his hands go way quicker than he should have. Is this in high school? Yeah. So, you, okay, you got violent, you got into alcohol. I was drinking, I mean, drinking every freaking weekend, you know. And and when you're drinking like that, you know, I wasn't drinking to drink. I was drinking to get fucked up. Right. But how common was that in your high school? Very. Yeah, I mean, me too. Uh, I mean, I'm what I'm trying to do is 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 understand your mindset a little bit. Like for me, we were drinking every week and we were even drinking during the week sometimes. Yeah. But for us it was just stupid white boys just acting stupid it was i wasn't filled with aggression or or trying to escape anything it was just like this is just dumb fun yeah was that the case with you, you guys were just having fun or, or no were, not were really you trying because to bury feelings with this well yeah i was definitely trying to bury feelings and also the the setting is different because we couldn't go to somebody's house and hang out in their basement and you know chill out and listen to music and drink we had to drink in the street. Okay. You know, because we couldn't do it at home. So I'm li- literally sitting at the back of like a building or whatever with with two of my friends drinking a bottle of, you know, Mad Dog right. 2020 or right. some shit, you know. Cool breeze. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. So it, it's basically you drink, you'd get fucked up, and then you'd go, you know, walk uptown or whatever where everybody was hanging out. So that's not a good mix for a kid that's, you know, has tendencies to kind of have that uh, fight or flight reaction. Because right. with me, it was, it got to the point where it was always fight. Was the alcohol liquid courage? No. I'd, I'd get into fights good and sober. Okay. But the, the alcohol just made it right. 10 times worse. So you were then just fighting a lot in high school. Yeah. Were you getting into trouble? Oh, yeah. With the law or just... Yeah, yeah. Did you get arrested? Yep. When you were I was under 18? Yes, thankfully. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I never got arrested after I was 18. But did you do any juvie time or anything? No. I had to do community service. Yeah, but... I had to do that too. All right. So you survived these years. I did. Uh, so then what happens after high school? Well, when do you come to terms with this aggression and 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 your? So I guess at the at this point you're no longer trying to please people by wearing the right clothes or listening to the music you think you're supposed to listen to, or are you still doing um, that? 
maybe to a certain extent, but not any more than a regular guy does. Like right. guys, we dress a certain way and we do certain things because we want to, you know, attract women. So if okay. I know that the girls that I like like this, then I'm going to wear that or whatever. Right. You know, so I was still, you know, I wasn't comfortable still because, you know, I was always a T-shirt and, and jeans kid, and, uh -huh. you know, but... I was supposed to wear something else, so. What point do you say, fuck it, I'm going to be, do what I do? Honestly, not until I was like maybe late 20s, after I'd been divorced. All right, let's talk about this. Okay, so what, when does the marriage come into play? Um, I was a year ahead of my wife in high school. Okay. So we were friends for a long time. We were friends for several years before that. And I was always crazy about her, always, you know, trying to get her to go out with me. But the thing was, she was my friend and she knew. Was she Puerto Rican? No, no, she's Colombian. Okay. So she's Latin. Yeah. Okay. So is that uh, what I'm trying to figure out is here's a girl you could talk to that was a friend of yours. Yeah. So you felt comfortable. You didn't feel like an outsider with her. No, no. Okay. I always felt very comfortable with her. Okay. You know, but um, she. Wasn't digging me that way. Yeah, um, they don't. They mostly, don't. well, <laughs> I mean, she had reason to. She was my friend. She knew my dirt. You know, oh, right. she knew I was kind of a dog. You know, <laughs> you know, I. I so, were you dating a lot of around a lot of women at the time? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So she knew that about you. Yeah. So you know, no girl wants wants that. Right, <laughs> you know, right, it's right. like no, that's okay. But so plus, I was I was a knucklehead, and she wasn't into the fact that I was a knucklehead. She didn't like it. She so, didn't like the fact that I was drunk every fucking weekend, sloppy, and getting into fights. She didn't like any of that. So did she clean you up a bit? Oh yeah. When did you start dating? Her senior year. I'd graduated, and uh, after graduation, I didn't really. I didn't have any direction. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of, I never had a plan. So I was working at a, at a hospital part-time while I was in high school. When I graduated, I just started working full-time. Was that Morristown Memorial? No, it was uh, uh, Mount Kemble, which is an arm of Morristown Memorial, but it's like the rehab for like uh, surgeries and heart okay. patients and okay. amputees and stuff. How did that affect you, seeing that on a daily basis? Um, or did it not? I enjoyed it. I worked as a as a, a did it give you physical a therapist purpose? assistant. Yeah, and I enjoyed it because you know people would come in, basically at their lowest point. You know, yeah, I just lost my leg or and you whatever, and then we'd help. Right, and then they'd go home and they could. Walk so that again seems like a pretty important. So it was very rewarding, formative yeah. part of your life. Yeah. So what what changed in you that now? she was going to date you was it um, just having that responsibility after after graduation i just I, <laughs> I graduated and i was like you know what i never have to deal with any of these fucking people ever again so it was just and gone. i that summer i just was at home or you know in the gym or working out or whatever and i just i didn't see anybody and then you know i still had my friends but then like several months later um, you know, a, a friend of mine had a, a birthday party and like, you don't hang out with us anymore, you know, come to the party, this and that and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. And I go and, you know, 
she's there. And for whatever reason, I don't know what I did or what happened, but for whatever reason, she saw me in a different light. And, um, and then we just started dating and that was it. And then you got married at what we age? got we started dating and we we were together for a while and I mean we're literally I asked her to marry me like just after her graduation I went out and I I, I was saving up my paychecks and stuff and went out bought her a ring asked her to marry me and um and so she you, said yes you were like nineteen yeah wow. But that was, I knew that was it. I knew that was the girl. No, 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 I get know? it, I get it. I'm just so thinking, just, like, you went from from that high school drinking, fighting to yeah. now having no, a she job and being able to... completely turned me around. But you were able to save and you had direction. Yeah. That's a big turn. So, you know, we started going out and then just from her influence, you know, I tried going to school. College? Yeah. And I literally, I went to college for one semester Mm -hmm. because I paid for the entire thing out of my own pocket. Wow. And then at the end of the semester, I'm like, well, you know what? I'm tapped out. (laughs) So, you know, but um, yeah, but then shortly after that. Were you still interested in art during all this? Um, I was. Not I just never career. looked at it as a career. But I you didn't were still think drawing it's like, just for fun and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Uh-huh. At that point, I, you know, I knew it was a job. I knew this is what people do. I just never thought it was something that I'd be able to do. Why? Just because everything, I had this mentality when I was younger where everything was too hard. Everything was inaccessible. I grew up literally half an hour away from the Joe Kubert school. Right. I didn't even know it existed until after I graduated from high school. Huh. You know, I didn't know about SVA until the end of my senior year. You know, I wasn't exposed to it. It's, sure. I came from, you know, my mom's a very intelligent person, but she didn't go to college. She had grown up in a, an entirely different kind of background and culture and stuff. She didn't know about, you know, taking care of your credit, going to college. This is how you get a mortgage, things like that. You uh-huh. know, shit that we look at now and it's like, oh, this is all part of being a grown-up. It's right. like, yeah, it's part of a be- being a grown-up here. But when you come from a different background, necessarily that right. stuff isn't there. So none of it was ingrained in me. Uh-huh. So I just, again, you know, just kind of went with the flow. And this happened, so I'll do this. And then this happened, and I'll do this, you know. So you get married. So we get married. And um, and it was cool. It was great. I was with the girl that I loved. And, you know, I had a, a beautiful baby girl that I adored. And then, you know, we start arguing about money. We don't have money to pay this. We don't have money to pay that. There were two kids, essentially sure. two kids, who don't know, you know, their ass from their elbow. And um, luckily we... We, I think we did okay on the parenting side, uh-huh. but we didn't do very well on the adult dealing with adult shit side. The, you know, the relationship side. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we split up, and it was, you know, like I said, we were ignorant. We were kids. It was almost like dissolving the marriage was almost like breaking up with your high school girlfriend. Sure. Know? Well, that's what it kind of was. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, we split up, and then we got divorced. And um, we were still friends. We'd always been friends before. And um, by this time, you know, my son's in the picture as well. So before you got separated, you had your son? Yeah. 
Okay. So, so two kids uh, and you're separated. Yeah. So we got separated, got divorced. Um, we were always good friends before. So once the kind of the anger died down a little bit, we dealt with with each other pretty well. And I always made sure I was around for my kids. I, I was there with my kids. You know, I had my kids like twice a week and every other weekend. Okay. But I was literally, I'd go to her house and hang out right. on days that I didn't have them just to be around. So we were always close. Uh-huh. But we were divorced for seven years. How long did it take for the anger to dissipate? It took a while. It took a while. Um, you know, because... Like five we, years, two years, any... It took about... No, maybe not five years, but it took about two years. And I made uh-huh. it worse because I, I, I got into relationships after that. Okay, that's what you I was going to ask next. So every time I had, like, a new girlfriend or whatever, it would just... Bring all over again. Did she date during that time? No. All right. So then, from what you've already told me, she gets offered a job in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And she she was asking if she should do it. She was she was asking. I don't know if she was necessarily asking permission. But making sure. But you're okay she with was. It. You know, she wanted to make sure she talked to me about it. She wanted to get a feel. Of what I thought, you know. Well, you got kids involved. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I I told her, you know, no, that's what you got to do. You got to do. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I didn't care about my job. I wasn't doing anything fulfilling or anything I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. So if I have to quit my job, I quit my job. I don't give a shit. And you're going to move. And I'm going to move because I, I, I had friends, you know. But it wasn't. Well, nothing's going to come. I wasn't like a yeah. I wasn't like a fulfilled person. I you know. I lived for the days that I had my kids, and the days that I didn't have my kids, I just kind of filled the gap with whatever woman I was dealing with at the time. Okay. So you moved down here. Yep. And And started working down here, and. yeah. Then I get down here and I don't have any friends here. It's completely complete and total culture shock. Um, but we just kind of went back to the same thing we'd always been doing. You know, I had the kids on certain days and every other weekend, and then I'd drop them off and you know I'd be there for a little while and hang out. And we were always friends. We always stayed close, and I always you know made sure that, you know, if she needed me for anything, I was there. So literally all she had to do was just call me and say, I need this or I need you to help me with this, whatever, and I did it. Okay, let's take a little break real quick because this is about to take a very different turn. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think it's a good story. So I think we can get two parts out of this, but I have to pee bad too. Do it. So let's take a little break.